I'm no longer bound, I'm no longer chained, I'm no longer captive, no longer restrained. Delivered, set free, and free to be me. Let me introduce myself. Welcome, everybody, to Be the Light. This is Pastor Zakia, and I am here with Pastor Courtney Martin. In this show, we are going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about abuse. We're going to talk about ministry and how God can take your abused situations and turn it into something beautiful. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about this, please tune in because this is a show you don't want to miss. My name is Freedom. Welcome everybody to Be The Light. I am Pastor Zachira Robinson and I have next to me Pastor Courtney. How are you today? Doing wonderful. Glad to be here. Yes, ma'am. So I want to tell y'all about Pastor Courtney. Um, I'm all about hearing other women speak. Okay, especially when they have that power behind it. And we know the power is the Holy Ghost. And so when she was speaking, I went to one of her events. Um, It's power night that they have every other Friday. I went and because I was actually invited by Jalen. Okay. You know, Uh Jalen. Right. He had put it in a group and was like, hey, you know, here's this going on. And I'm not going to lie. That first night that I came. I was super busy. I was just like had tons of things to do because I, you know, I'm ministry and then I also had vending to do the next day. Mm -hmm. But I was actually going through something that night and I just felt like the enemy was just pressing me and pressing me. And I was just like, okay, maybe I need to put down what I have going on and I'm going to go to this power night. I don't know these people. I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was the best decision that I have made. I tell you within the first Second song, I think Phil was singing. It's like heaven was on earth. Yeah. In that room. Mm-hmm. The musicians was crazy good. Like yep. I have never heard musicians like that. But that was my first encounter of meeting um, Pastor Courtney. And then when she got up and started speaking, I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> who is that? I wanted yeah. to know who she was, um, you know, because I'm always thinking about, you know, people's journey, because when someone has that much power, that much force, force, that much passion, there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. It's not just coming out of, you know, the sky. It's, it's literally coming from a place of, of growth. It's coming from the Holy Ghost. And that's why I was like, I want to know her journey. I want to know her testimony. I want to know exactly what she have been through. And let me see if she'll be welcome to come <laughs> on to the show. And guess what? She's here and she said yes. And so um, talk to us a little bit about your journey. What was it like as a child growing up? Did you grow up in church? Um, yes, I, I am a church baby. Um, although my parents aren't pastors, they have always been very involved in ministry. So my I received, oh, I prayed the prayer of salvation when I was six years old. It wasn't in big church. It was actually at Sunday school. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in Sunday school, the Sunday school teacher, she she taught us about how God loved the world and he gave his son and just, you know, the basics of the gospel. And she's like, you know, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, raise mm-hmm. your hand. And we did the whole thing. Um, and that was my introduction to it. So I was at church for choir rehearsal, prayer meeting, business meeting, mm. the praise dance meeting, uh, deacon met- meetings, all the meetings me and my <laughs> siblings were dragged to um, <laughs> and from. And we dare not complain because... I know my parents bribed us after a while. <laughs> like, if you could just sit through this, we'll get you some fries afterwards or something like that. Right. So. It I don't was, feel half bad with my kids then. <laughs> oh, no. When I tell you, I will bribe my kids in a second. And the reason why I'm okay with that, one, is because church doesn't stop at 
church for Mm -hmm. me. No, it doesn't. Right. Right. How I live my life, what I teach them at home is an extension of what they experience in a service. Amen. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, just like I had to, there's going to come a time where they're going to need to make a decision for themselves. Yes. And they have to be able to discern the difference between a church service and a true relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so when I got saved at six, I got connected with the gospel. I got introduced to the message and the person of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily have a relationship with God because I didn't know what relationships were. I didn't know uh, that, you know, they're necessary to be maintained and cultivated and you have to take time to learn the person and allow that, you know, of course, the the Godhead is the person for us, allow that person to learn you and to show you who you are. And so even though like I confessed Jesus at six, I didn't actually come into my own personal relationship with God until I was 19. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about from that six to 19. What was that like? (laughs) Okay. So six to 19, it was, and this is how I know um, that my call is what it is from Mm -hmm. the moment that I got saved up until the moment that I rededicated my life to the Lord. That was trauma after trauma Mm. after trauma. Excuse me. So Um, that summer, um, after I had received Jesus, Mm -hmm. I was sexually assaulted by a family member and it happened again, different person, different situations, but different, um, times of sexual assault, uh, three times Mm -hmm. before I was 19 years old. Mm. So from a young age, there was a question that was put in my own mind that I carried around in my body that said that I don't know who I am um, and I don't have any control over myself or my decisions. Mm -hmm. And so very, very early on, even though, again, raised in church, spiritual parents, Christian parents, some of the things that I know now that they like carried in their own past, I learned later, Mm -hmm. but between what they carried, their experiences, their struggles, and then what I was introduced to by the sin of others started to infect my own Mm self-image. It began to infect even my image of God, at least attempted to, right. right? And so there were a lot of times where I was... um, like hypersexual or over-sexualized just as a preteen or as a teenager, mm-hmm. not necessarily because I wanted to be, but because that door was opened so early. Right. 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 And so it's just like, well, apparently since it keeps happening, this must be who I am. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, I ended up connecting with the wrong people, mm-hmm. getting in unhealthy toxic relationships because I started looking for identity in the door that was opened as opposed to the God that saved me when I was six. And some of that, I think, and it's important for all the parents who are out there, like I... (laughs) I was raised by a true black mom, like black household. (laughs) Right. And so to a certain extent, of course, now things have gotten better because we have more communication. But a lot of times for many people who come up in um, people or person of color households, there is a 
you don't really have anything to say because you're a child. Right. So you're going to believe what I tell you to. You're going to say, and when I say that's enough, that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, like now, me as a mom, there's a space that I give my kids to talk about their feelings and yes. their experiences and all of that. But for some of us growing up, we didn't necessarily have that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because our parents were too tired because they were trying to make a life for us. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Um, you know, just like what you're saying about you, you make a space for your kids now. Yeah. And um, I haven't had to do it in a while, but my kids, I, I call it the patio talk. Oh, cute. And so what it is, is when um, especially one of my, my sons, when they used to feel a certain way or feel like they're under attack or they just feel an emotional or mom, you said this and it really hurt me. Mm-hmm. He say, they say, can we have the patio talk? And what wow. the patio talk allows is for them to be able to say how they feel in a respectful way. Now, mm-hmm. right. I don't judge. I don't yell. I don't do any of that. I allow them to just verbally tell me what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we pray together. That's awesome. And then if I see like, okay, yeah, I've really I probably shouldn't have did it that way. Then I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does is it, it creates that safe space so that they don't have to go out to talk to someone else. They don't have to go out emotionally and do something else because they can't get that taken care of at yeah, home. They have an outlet with you. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then also you mentioned about like back in the day, yeah, them, our parents didn't play that. Mm-hmm. Don't don't you dare. You see grown folks talking, you, you better walk right. away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, if you're not bleeding, if, you, if you're not dying. Broken, if the house isn't burning right, down. <laughs> then you need to wait. But kids these days, they are just disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Disrespectful. Um, but when when you were talking about being molested and going through the different, no, you actually said, yeah, mm-hmm. molested. You went through that. Did you were, did you have a chance to open up to your mom or someone about that, or was it all just kept in? Yeah, all my parents didn't learn about that until honestly, oh gosh, I was probably into my thirties by then. Oh wow, yeah, oh, you kept it for real and did, but the, <laughs> but I paid for it too. Mm. Let's talk I, about that. I paid for it yeah. too because. Again, when you when you're brought up in an environment where there is that language of like, don't you bring no kids to my house? Like, don't make me a grandmama too early. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, no, you don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be having sex and you don't need to do this when you are having that type of conversation in the household. But then in middle school and elementary school and high school, the conversation is do whatever you will. It's kind of hard to reconcile and know like, well, I know I can't talk about this here. So the only people you have to talk about it with are the people who are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so with me not having a place, what, what I didn't feel like I had a place to communicate what had happened, I ended up having to counsel myself. Mm, which is the worst. Which is terrible. The worst. <laughs> when you are 11, 12, 13, 14, mm-hmm. 15, 16, you need that maternal guide. You need that paternal guide, your mother, that mother, father figure to help you figure out what it is because you haven't lived long enough to have the wisdom mm-hmm. to go through it. Right. And so because I did not have the wisdom, mm-hmm. I made it my fault mm. because if it keeps happening like one and I, w- I would take little things that I learned over the years and just kind of apply it in order to kind of grasp mm-hmm. for understanding and one of the things that I remember my my dad saying had nothing to do with this was you know like if if something keeps happening to you or something keeps happening in a situation then you have to look for the common denominator yeah. Now, of course, that could be talking about math, but I applied it to life. <laughs> right. right. It's just like, yeah. okay, well, what's the common denominator here? The common denominator is me. Mm. I'm the problem. 
I'm doing too much. There's something about the way that I look, the way that I'm saying. And so I immediately started speaking to myself words of like um, uh, deprecation and uh, reducing my self-worth and giving myself that message that like I'm bad. Yeah. Not realizing that it could be a generational curse that's been opened up. Not realizing that all you have to do is get this curse broken so that it could stop. And there's people out there that's listening right now and you you see the same pattern not just happening with you, but maybe in your family members. And you're like, why is everybody in our family alcoholics or why is everybody Mm -hmm. in our family, you know, never gets married? It's because it possibly may be a generational thing. Mm -hmm. Someone has to break that curse. Someone has to say, "Okay, I'm going to take a stand, going to break this curse, to get deliverance going to do whatever i need to do to stop this yeah because the things that i went through i went through a lot of similar stuff Mm -hmm. um you know being molested too and i didn't want you know now that i have a daughter i don't want her going through that so i realized like i have to get deliverance i have Mm -hmm. to break these things off of me so that this stuff don't snowball effects over onto her life Mm -hmm. and so let's talk about like after you realize okay i got to get help Mm -hmm. what was that like for you for me I ended up doing like what a lot of people do and going to the extreme. Okay. Because for me, deliverance came through, I'll put it this way. It it wasn't an immediate thing. Like you just go down to the altar, you come right. up and all of a sudden <laughs> it's just like, you know, like they say, I looked at my hands and they were new. I looked yeah. at my feet and they <laughs> were too. It was not, everything was the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, still had the same struggles, still had the same thoughts. And, and so what I did was, and this is the, the long version of my deliverance was instead of actually facing it because with, with understanding what I did was, is that I ran away from who I was mm. from at that moment, that yeah. broken person. And so I went to the other extreme and I became very judgmental mm. because I honestly, and I didn't realize it, but I was hating that part of my past, yeah. even though I was a new person, I had rededicated my life and I knew I was starting over rather because I didn't have the tools to deal with it and to actually heal the hurt. Right. And so what I went was to the other side of, of deliverance that some people go to, to the holiness extremism. Mm-hmm. And it became about condemning um, and rebuking and speaking against these type of sexual issues, sexual desires, um, that unbridledness without compassion. Because mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is that I didn't have compassion for myself. Mm. I went straight yeah. from um, that, that freedom, if you will, right into pride, because honestly, I was afraid that if I didn't go that hard, I would go right back to where I was. Yeah. You went that way. And let me tell you the way I went, Mm -hmm. I would, I went just wild. (laughs) 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 I'm going to be honest because it was one of the things like, okay, they keep using me. Mm -hmm. This keeps happening to me. So guess what? And it's like, I wasn't mentally saying this is what I'm going to do. It's just, it's just the way that I went. I started using them and they're just trying to say, you act like a guy. Like, mm-hmm. who are you? Why are you acting this way? And it's just like, because it, this is just who I am. I had no feelings connected to the act. Correct. And, you know, as w- women, we are, you know, when you um, engage in that type of activity, your emotions tie mm-hmm. faster than a guy's. For sure. But for some reason, I wasn't having that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. It was just like. High and by. Yeah. You know, and yeah. people, they wasn't used to that. So it was one of them things where 
I had to ask myself, like, why am I like this? Mm, mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's because really it boils down to because I didn't heal. Because yeah. not only did I didn't get counsel, I didn't. I, actually, I wasn't in the church. I ran. I was running from the church um, mm-hmm. because I just didn't feel the presence of God. Um, but why? Because I had a lot of issues going in inside. So I started using substances mm-hmm. like alcohol, sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, you started being like you said, you was being judgmental and you went through it that way. But then you have some people like myself that go through it with picking up other things mm-hmm. to fulfill yeah. what I need to feel those empty holes. And so and going past that, you know, OK, you felt he was like, OK, I got to deal with this. You dealt with, you know, the issue started going through the deliverance process. What took place after that? Was it all like, okay, I'm into Christ now and I'm good. Like, what, what was it like after that? No, I wish, like, I wish it, I don't even know, like, when it'll be that way. Like, I right. feel like you're always growing and learning and maturing and healing. Yeah. And so the deliverance part came, came soon, came almost immediate because that's one of those, like, once Jesus breaks the chains, the chains are broken. Mm-hmm. But you still have to do some soul work. Yes. Right. You still have to do the heart work. And for me, the heart work came through my first marriage. Mm. Okay, because um, I was in a situation where he was verbally and emotionally abusive, Mm -hmm. but his method of choice was through scripture. Right. Yes. And so it's it's very, very hard to 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 place when that type of abuse is happening, Mm -hmm. when somebody is using the Bible and then saying, well, I'm just doing this because I care for your soul. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I want you to live right and I want you to live holy. And that's why I go after you like this. And that's why I said what I said. And that's why I rejected you. And that's why I did this. And that's why. And so for me, I had to learn God in a different way because the one that he was presenting as the head of my household and the one that I had come to know in my time of conversion were not the same. Right. And in that situation, it pushed me to pursue God in the scriptures in the way that I hadn't before. Yeah, because sis, you know them, you know that word. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and honestly, the situations like of course, you know, I went to Bible college and that is obviously okay. helpful. Yeah. Um, but when I was in the the pain of mm-hmm. my life and I was trying to figure out, well, how can I be a godly um Proverbs 31, supportive, mm-hmm. you know, prayer warrior type of wife for this type of situation. Right. It drove me to my knees. It drove mm-hmm. me to prayer. It drove me to the scriptures to really search out God because I'm just like, well, I need to be able to see you in all of this. Mm-hmm. And in that process, I was able to see him as a mirror for some of the, um, that condemnation that I had like within myself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my therapist told me is just that most likely I wouldn't have chose him initially. Um, and a lot of those words would have absolutely no place to fall if I already didn't have a seat for it in my heart somewhere. Wow. That's deep. Right? Yeah. And so it's just like, because within me, like we talked about earlier, there was still that part of me that believed that I was bad, that mm-hmm. I was dirty, that mm-hmm. I was deserving of of the scraps mm-hmm. because of what I had experienced and because of how I had acted out in my teen years because of it. So it's just like, well, he's just trying to make sure that you don't go back to that. So again, mm-hmm. he was in agreement with where I was at the time. Right. Keep her in a bottle. Don't let her get out because mm-hmm. if she does, she going to run through this whole town or whatever the fear was. It was irrational, but it was a fear. And so after I began to go to counseling and therapy and get help and healing from my heart, 
uh, of my identity, that's when I started to see the separation between him and myself because like you still see me as this broken um, girl who needs to be contained and controlled for her own good. Mm-hmm. That's not how God sees me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and now my, my understanding of who I am is starting to line up with, with what God says and what he sees mm-hmm. and what his plans are for me. And the more I leaned into God and understood who he was and then did that research, did some research on what it was to be a woman, what he had in mind when he created womankind, what was the purpose of woman, and then allow myself to take on that original identity that he had for me. Mm-hmm. Then that's when things started to change. So it was a mixture of the deliverance where you, you know, do your decrees, you break agreements, you rebuke, you bind, you cast out. Then you have to go through your inner healing phase, the inner healing, which takes its time. However, however long time it it takes, because some some of this stuff was sown when you were two and three years old. You're 40 now. That's 40 years worth of. You know what I mean? So that's going to take some time. And then then there's that acceptance period that comes after that. After Mm -hmm. you heal from what has happened, now you have to accept who it is that you are and begin to walk in your new identity. And that's what I've probably been doing, like, honestly, maybe about four or five years. It's still relatively Mm -hmm. new as far as like the identity aspect of it. It's like now I know who I am. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm free from those old opinions and thoughts and processes. And now it's about building a life forward. Yeah, definitely. Because the the enemy's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. He wants to destroy everything about you, your character, your identity, your purpose, your destiny. You know, and ultimately, if you don't get those things checked, you ultimately people end up ending their lives oh yeah suicide and it's, be- it's because they didn't go through the necessary process of okay well i need okay i'm going through this i need to take a backtrack i need to go back but some people don't even know to go back to god because mm-hmm. looking these days right now you don't see a lot of youth in church anymore mm-hmm. you don't see parents dragging their kids back to church no more yeah you got them saying they don't that they don't want to go to church so okay well i'll be back no you are in my household yeah you, you about to go to church but because we had a um a foundation that was already set for us because i was in church as early as i can remember <laughs> and so it's one of the things where we had somewhere to lean back to mm-hmm. which is why the word tells us to train up our child in the way they yeah. should go and so when they go grow old they do not depart from it and like i always say even when i say that scripture it's not just talking about biblically speaking mm-hmm. you got to train them up how to be a young man train them up how to be a woman you got to you got to train Absolutely. them up because when all fails when they realize that this world is not what this world says it is they they you know what my parents taught me better than this. Let me yeah. go back to church because that's what happened with me mm. being out there clubbing, doing things, you know, just because I was hurt. And I eventually came to my knees like, this is not who my mama raised. Like, yeah. this is not like, okay, what do I need to do? I just felt within my spirit. Cause at that time I wasn't, it's like, I was hearing from God, but not hearing from God. Cause I know it was him that prompts me to go back to church. But even going back to church, I wasn't feeling the presence of God. I was just like t- a person taking up a seat, you know, mm-hmm. but eventually of keep going, keep pressing, something's going to break. Mm-hmm. Just like when you were talking about the inner healing, um, it's not going to happen overnight. People just expect, okay, I'm going to do these few sessions and then I should be good. No, (laughs) (laughs) you got a journey that's getting ready to take place with that. You may be literally, I remember being in the kitchen and God revealed something to me. And it's like, he was healing me in the middle of kitchen, cooking dinner. Mm -hmm. 
your healing can take place anywhere. Yeah. God can break things off of your life at any given time. Mm -hmm. You just better be ready for it. Cause I've told the kids, I said, they seeing me shouting, they looking at me like, mom, what's wrong with you? I said, y'all, I'll be back. I, I got to turn these owls off. I got to get to the room. <laughs> and so, and it's, that's what it's about. It's about being able to heal from the things that we go through because yeah. we don't pick them, but because sometimes like I was, like we were saying, generational things, sometimes those doors are just open to you mm -hmm. because no one broke them before you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, after you did that, you know, you went through the divorce process. You went through now you're you're a mom, a single mom. How is that going for you? What, what What is the encouraging thing that you can say to women that is out here that's just went through divorce, have kids and possibly not tied in with God? Yeah. One, just on a a, a basic level, there is life after mm -hmm. divorce. Yes. Um. Whether, you know, because I think probably we all when we when we get married, it's just like this is my forever person. Yes, I've like, been there. Nobody <laughs> goes into it thinking that, you know, like, oh, this will be over in a couple of years. Like, no, like you you make yeah. a decision based on the information that you have. And you're just like, this is my person. There's nobody mm -hmm. else who is befitting. Um, and so the first thing is there there is life after this. I know yes. that you had a life planned, but I promise you that there is life after this. Also, I would say take advantage of this time that you have in this new season of singleness. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was honestly very tempted to do once I because I was married for, for almost a decade. Wow. Yeah. And so when you are used to your life revolving mm -hmm. around a person, it's very tempting. It's like there's a vacuum now. It's like now I have to put someone in said vacuum, right? <laughs> I have to fill this hole. There is a husband-sized hole that I have to fill. Um, and and that's just out of habit, even if it's not out of necessity. Sometimes yeah. it's just out of habit. Um, and I am grateful for every door that God closed between <laughs> my divorce and now, not because those guys are bad or no good. Yeah. I mean, some of them like were very nice and kind right. and we would be great together. I mean, look good on camera and everything. Right. <laughs> but I was telling a friend of mine um, this yesterday, there was so much more to me that I found after the, after the divorce mm -hmm. than I was when I was in it. Yeah. And there was something like, for instance, like even like with me um, doing power nights and, you know, now with Zion city coming up that those were all dreams and thoughts of things that I thought I could only do with a husband by my side. Mm hmm. So I was literally putting everything on hold because, you know, the whole idea of partnership and we're doing it together and right. things can be so exhausting. And I'm a single mom and I'm already tired. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got all these I, I work a full time job. I have businesses and doing all these different things. Yeah. And I was just like, I have to have someone who can help me. Yeah. And then God, through this process, he showed me that he is my help. Amen. Right. Yes. So he he is enough. He is the one that energizes me. So that way, even when I'm lock, clocking out of work and I'm going to get the kids, I'm just like, I don't have anything for them. By the time they open up that door, whew, I get all the energy and excitement. Hey, y'all, how you doing? Tell me about your day. What? That's crazy. And I'm able to do that and then go home and cook a meal and do homework and wrestle around and play with dolls and talk about all the things, put them to bed and then still have enough time and energy for me to dedicate to the things that I care about that he wants me to build. Like there's no possible way, like at the beginning, 
I thought that I couldn't do any of it. I just mm-hmm. felt exhausted and depleted. Mm-hmm. But as you heal and as you allow God to restore your identity, as you allow him to restore your identity, he will restore your strength and you will find that you can do more in 24 hours than you thought that you could. You can do more in 24 hours alone yeah. than you thought that you could do with somebody else. Now, that that's not to say because I am very pro-marriage, okay? <laughs> I am all about the man folk. I cannot right. wait <laughs> for whatever it is that God does send my guy. However, I don't need it before right. I did. Yeah. Before there was this, this need, I just, I have to have it just in order for balance and who's going to play with the kids and who's going to be the funny one. And then I have to be the serious one, but now how do I manage to do both? Like it's, <laughs> right. it can be very complicated. It can, it can, it can either make you or break you. Mm-hmm. And at first it may break you. <laughs> at first, <laughs> You may feel broken in the beginning, but I'm telling you, cause I had to do the singleness for a while. Cause this is a remarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went through divorce. So it was one of them things where the manipulation and the control, all of that was taking place and I was just like I didn't know like I said I ain't no god then like that mm-hmm. but at the end of the day I didn't take that road to heal mm-hmm. I took that road and it's like I'm the opposite I took that road and field <laughs> <laughs> I field all of that time and I was just like okay I got a week on week off schedule what am I going to do on this week that I don't have my mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. what am I going to because that was hard you go from being a parent of every single day yep to now you have days that you don't have your kids. So I was like, what do I do with this time? I really wish I took that time. And there's someone listening right now. Take that time and fill it with God. Yes. Take that time and pray fast. Read your word. Go to church. Do whatever you need to do. But instead, a lot of us, we do what the world does. We go have fun. We fill in it with fun and things to take your mind off of it. And God's like, hey. I'm right here. He's yeah. whispering. I'm right here because it comes in a small, still, vo- small, still voice, and he's not going to pressure you or push you or make you. Right. You got to want him. Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's a want. It's a desire that you have to have for him. And so, when I finally did get the picture, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came through some trials. When I finally understood, it's like, okay, get back to church. When I started to take away people, things, and, you know, just resetting my life to where you started (laughs) and where you're at now. I saw myself growing. I saw that God was able to fulfill those things. Now I'm going, I'm not going to say that it happened overnight. You know, I had some rough nights, Mm -hmm. you know, I had some rough nights. I mean, some rough ones. Um, And it's one of them things where there is a brighter side because like, like you were mentioning, we go into a marriage and it's like, yes, this is going to be it. You know, we're going to, we're going to make this thing. We're going to be old together. And then you, the, the it's like the unveil of that person have came off because, you know, the things that happen in your life, you're not realizing that you're bringing familiar spirits. Yeah. So you attracted this thing. This thing was covered up nice and pretty. And now that you're married at all, it's like the package just it's not as pretty anymore. Mm-hmm. So now you're in this thing for years. I was in it for about 10, 11, about 10 years, 19 years. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, OK, God didn't. I'm not supposed to be cheated on. I'm I'm not supposed to be abused. I'm not supposed to be over here insecure because of what these person is saying. And so, you know, divorce is not, even though it's ugly and even though God does not like it, sometimes God give you a way out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to, and see, I would never tell a person, even when I'm doing um, inner healing with people, they'd be like, well, should I stay with them? Like, that's a question for you and God. Mm -hmm. I would never tell you to leave. I would never tell you to stay because God may want you to stay so that, you know, this person can see who you're changing into and maybe it can change them because there's a scripture that talks about that. Mm -hmm. But also 
God also may say, no, this is, I never ordained this in the first place. Mm-hmm. I need you to, to walk away. Mm-hmm. How hard was that for you to walk away? Did it take time? Because I know for me, it took, it took multiple times. It took like three or four times. Or was it one of the things God spoke and you just did it? Okay. It was, it was quick, but it also wasn't. Okay. Okay. Because of the, it was probably about four years before the divorce actually happened that through counseling and therapy that we came to understand what the issue was. Yeah. And in the, well, maybe like the first two or three years after that, it was, all right, listen, it's going to take time. We got to be patient with each other. Uh, there were, I think we separated like two or three times, like before mm-hmm. then. And and it was supposed to be intentional. Like, okay, we're going to spend however many months apart. So that way we can heal, do whatever it is that we need to do. Then we can come back together and kind of mm-hmm. pick up where we left off. And we did that a few times. Um, and it wasn't until um, one conversation that we had right before, you know, it um, it was all over where we finally came to the understanding that no matter like what I did or how I improved or how I changed, because at the end of the day, with that type of personality, um, they're not the problem. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. And so after we <laughs> finally came to the conclusion, she's like, oh, so really, no matter what I do, no matter how many changes I make, um, it, this isn't going to change. Yeah. And he, he was able to concede. He's just like, yeah, it's just like, I just, I can't, I can't get past whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and I think maybe the expectation for him was that we would just kind of continue to go on. Like both of us just be miserable together for the rest of our lives, yeah, because that's yeah. again, that personality, like they're, they're good with that as long as they're not the wrong person. Yeah. Um, and for me, I had a, I had a time with God. I prayed because I was just like, nobody's telling me to leave. Everybody's telling me to stay. Everybody's telling me that this is going to be a testimony. I just have to hold on and just wait and see how God's going to deliver and bring through. Um, but I was just like, God, I'm I'm kind of confused because I have seen your example through scripture for eons, how you have brought people from underneath the tutelage and covering or leadership of oppressors. Mm-hmm. Like you are literally a delivering God. Who is it that you want to be for me? In this moment, is this one of those things that you want to deliver me in it or you want to deliver me from it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I I, and I had to have that honest conversation with him. And I will say, which probably a lot of people will probably say, God never told me to leave. Mm -hmm. So he gave me the decision. Mm -hmm. But that's also his nature. Yeah. He gave us free will so that way we can choose. And so my prayer was, okay. Whichever it is that I choose, I'm going to need your strength and direction and healing to get through it. Mm-hmm. And for me, because of our track record over 10 years, um, for me, in order for me to to heal, I needed to heal away from him. Yeah. I couldn't heal in the same house with him. Yeah. Now, honestly, truth be told, uh, my my initial plan was to we'll just divorce for now. <laughs> I'm going to heal. You figure out what's going on. Then maybe, I don't know, who knows? Maybe we can come back again. Um, But the the problem is this. I got the nerve to find out who I was. Mm. And then I realized that I couldn't go back. Yeah. Because a lot of times what we don't realize is that we marry the person that matches us at the moment. I'm glad you said that. Yep. 
That's mm-hmm. so true. And so for me, when I was what, I think 22 or 23, whenever it was that we met, I was still that broken, that wounded, uh, didn't have an image, uh, uh, identity, didn't have any confidence. I, I saw myself in a particular light. I felt like I needed to be controlled. So I attracted someone who would control me. But now, you know, uh, years later, then it was just like, oh, okay. Now, instead of looking for a mate that matches me now, I need to find someone who can cover me for where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so by the time I got healed and delivered and all of that, Mm -hmm. I realized that I had outgrown him. Yeah. So I, I, I literally couldn't go back. Yeah. It would be impossible. I'm I'm glad you said that we settle for what where we're currently at. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about what we who, think we deserve. Right. Not thinking future. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we we don't, you know, we let God take care of everything, but at the same time, because of the brokenness that's in a lot of us, yeah. we we settle for what we can get at that moment. And that's why sometimes like um I, I talk talk because I haven't taught it in a while. I used to teach um, kids. I used to go to high schools and middle schools and teach them how to have healthy relationships. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. But to hear how some of them accept the relationships that they're in, it's like, do you not know you're better than that? You're worth more than that. I don't. But then when you talk to them mm-hmm. to realize that dad's not there, they ain't got mm-hmm. no uncles, they have no brother, no older brothers or nothing like that. It's just them, mom and younger siblings. Mm-hmm. That's all they think that they're worth. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the guys is talking about the girls because I had a group of guys that I had to teach. I'm just like, do your girlfriend know you talk about her like that? Yeah, she knows. And it's like, wow. But it's what they're accepting because it's what, like you said, in the moment. And also some of the times they it's what they've learned. Yes. Um, And so. Now you have a church. Mm-hmm. Can we briefly talk about your church? How did that come about? What was that like? How scary was it? Scary was one of the things you were just like, I'm just doing it. God said, do it. I'm going to jump out there and do it. What was that like for you? Um, I feel like it was like my entire life's journey. Um, slowly, <laughs> surely over a long period of time. So one of the things that Um, passions that I developed years ago was for discipleship. Mm -hmm. I felt like we had a lot of people who knew how to preach to people's emotions. Mm -hmm. But then when you would pull people aside to ask them what they believe, they weren't able to articulate it. Mm. Or they would quote scriptures and not know what it meant or how to apply it to their lives. Or they would just come to services multiple times a week. But then when you tell them like, hey, I need you to, you know, pray for this person. I was like, oh, well, I don't really know how to pray. Well, wait, wait a minute. (laughs) Right. Right? What are you sitting here doing? Yeah, come on. (laughs) And so for me, that was something that God was just, uh, he put that burden on my heart to disciple people, to Mm -hmm. go back, to look at how it is that Jesus walked with his disciples, how he literally imparted himself into them. And because of that seed, a church was born. And so we're responsible for taking that and multiplying that model, not so that way we can get a bigger building or so that way we can host a conference and make a certain amount of money or so we can be the most popular church in the corner. But so that way we can make sure that people are being formed and crafted into the image of Christ, not the image of Courtney. Right. Right. Because I'm a fail. I'm Mm -hmm. going to make some mistakes. But Mm -hmm. if you can look like him, then you're going to have the life that God intended. Right. And so years ago, I just started doing like Bible studies and little discipleship groups with women. Um, and I started doing some stuff online, like before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and it was perfect because you're just like, okay, everybody's online. Everybody's online. Um, so, um, I would tell people like, Hey, I'm starting my next discipleship group. And I did that for a couple of years. And at the beginning of January, 
beginning of January, the beginning of 2021, mm-hmm. um, I I felt like God was telling me that it was time to move it from online to in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, mm, I'm not ready to start a church. What are we talking <laughs> about here? And he's just like, I didn't ask you to start a church. I just asked you to make disciples. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I could do that. And so as time was going on throughout the throughout the year, you know, January, February, March came. Um, I put it put before the group of people that I was discipling at that moment. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. I feel like God is telling us to establish a place um, where we can come together, where we can worship together, where we can pray, where we can truly meet with him face to face. Like it's an mm-hmm. extension of what we're doing. So I would right. still disciple people, still doing the teachings, and I still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were supposed to come together. And he said that I want you to build a table. And I want you to fix it because I want to meet you at this table. And at this table, I will feed them. I will supply. I will satisfy. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. So that's when in September of 2021, we started Power Nights. And it really was just supposed to be an event, a time where it didn't matter what church you went to, what role you played in your church, what city you lived in. Twice a month, we're going to come together. We're going to seek the face of God, which is where we get that, our slogan, until we see him. Mm -hmm. So we'll pray, we will worship, we will cry out, we'll dance, we'll sing, we'll run, we'll do whatever Mm -hmm. until we see him. Right. And since September of 2021, God has been so faithful every second and fourth Friday to to show up, to speak to us, to 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 really just reveal his presence and his glory and his power in different dynamic ways. Um, and we're very, very excited <laughs> because we got a new word and new direction in December of 2022 where, um, cause we were just kind of saying, okay, God, like, what is it that you want to do with power nights? How is it that you want us to, you know, um, grow in this particular area? And he gave us two words. Uh, the first word was city. He said, I didn't just call you to a city. I called you to be a city. Mm, yeah. Okay. Heavy. Uh-huh. Heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy. Right. Yeah. So he, and, and when you have a city like that city, like there might be towns around mm-hmm. where people live, but if you need to buy groceries or if you need to get clothes, if you, if there's any large items in great commerce that you need, you're going to have to go to the city to get it. Right. And so we would be a self-sufficient, self-sustaining spiritual economy that he wants us to become. And then he said, the second word is uh, Zion out of Isaiah 16 and 14, where he says that I, they will call you Zion, the city of God. Oh, that's why you got the name church mm-hmm. name from Zion okay. City. Yes. And because he said that he is giving us the assignment to host the presence, not just be a place where people come to experience, but where we are responsible for hosting the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So that way, no matter where people come and when people come, they can always know that they will see him and experience him here. And then he said this last thing. He said, I want you guys to take it from until you see me, until you see me formed in them. Mm-hmm. And so now it's not just about an event. I want you to build a community where discipleship is at the heart, but the presence is like un- unquestionable. Wow. Yeah. And so um, starting on April the 9th, we are going to have Sunday worship services where we're going to start building out mm-hmm. this God-centered community um, where the presence of God will be there. And one of the things that's personally on my heart, because I believe that discipleship isn't just spiritual matters, but there are also some kingdom principles mm-hmm. that we are able to take from the word of God. So mm-hmm. whether you are called to government, to entrepreneurship, education, entertainment, whatever your realm of influence is, we're also going to make sure that we walk with you to help you develop in your career, help you develop in your business, help you develop in your family and all of that. So it's not just a time for us to come together and worship. We're building a community that transforms. 
Amen. I like that. Awesome. And so if y'all um, that is listening happen to miss any of what we just talked about, I want you to go and watch the YouTube because it is posted on my YouTube as Zakia Robinson. And you can watch the entirety of this um, interview. And if Courtney, if they want to pass Courtney, if they want to come and try to be a part, how do they get connected to you? What is a, a way for them to get connected with you through a number, email, website? What would that be? Sure. So we have a website up called myzioncity.com. That will give you all the information about everything we have coming up. Also on all of our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. If you do at myzioncity, it'll give you all the information that you need. And of course, you can always connect with me personally. I'm Courtney Martin. I am K-O-R-T-N-E-Y M-A-R-T. CIN on all social media platforms. I'd be happy to pray with you and support you in any way that I can. Amen. And what I'm going to also do is I'm going to make sure I put the information that Pastor Courtney just said in the bio. <laughs> and so um, if you're like, I didn't catch that. What was that again? You can just go, um, go right over to the YouTube and you can see all the information on there. Or you can go to Wave 94 and see the podcast that they post up and the information be on there as well. Pastor Courtney, we are so, so grateful that you said yes to this interview. And you're going to come back again. So let's do it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and be blessed. I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer chained. I'm no longer captive. No longer restrained. Delivered, set free and free to be me. Let me introduce myself. Thank you so much for tuning in to Be The Light. If you are looking for a life coach or maybe you're looking for some inner healing, please visit bethelight.com. Live Again, that is BeTheLight.Live. And you can also follow us on YouTube for a replay of this show at Zakia Robinson. Be blessed. My name is...